In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are really, truly, substantially present here. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Your whole person, your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole body, sacramentally present here in our midst. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Please increase our faith. We believe that as we see the blood and water coming out from your heart here in the divine mercy image, that it also flows in a mystical way out from the host here that we stare at. And that you are blessing us all today with your mercy, with your love, your joy, your peace, your knowledge and wisdom and understanding, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to have open minds and open hearts today to receive all that you want to give us. Jesus, we trust in you. We trust that we will be received in our poverty, in our need, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness. We trust that you will receive us as we come here to you this morning so that we can receive from you all that you want to give us. Jesus, we ask that you would penetrate any hardness of heart, any fear. We ask that you would drive out all fear with your perfect love. Help us to experience your unconditional perfect love for us here today in a new way, in a deeper way, in a more personal way, in a way that will be healing and inspiring in a way that will unite us more and more with you and with one another and with all of our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Father. Mother Mary, we crown you the queen of our time here with Jesus, your son, in the presence of the Father with the Holy Spirit as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning to all of you. It's nice to have you here. How many of you are here in this chapel for the first time? Let's see a show of hands. Most of you. Well, welcome. And know that you're always welcome. The school year is coming to a close, but we typically have Mass here in the afternoon at 2.50. So in case you missed that morning Mass at St. Daniel's on Tuesday and Thursday, you can always come here in the afternoon at 2.50. It's 10 minutes after the high schoolers get out of school. And then every Wednesday night, we gather here, and it's usually even more uh, decorative, more spectacular. Uh, we gather here 7 to 8 every Wednesday night. Uh, with families of people of all ages, from two-year-olds, toddlers, to grandpas and grandmas. And we typically play music throughout the hour. I'll preach, I'll hear confessions, 
So it's an opportunity every week to get to confession at a reasonable time. And if you bring little ones and they make a ruckus, no big deal because the music's playing, nobody really cares. And they're welcome to come up to the front. We typically hang a stole there for people to touch. So it's very interactive. So please join us on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. I thought I would read today from John's Gospel. Much of what he said at the Last Supper refers to the Holy Spirit. And so I know you've all been on this journey of learning more about the Holy Spirit. Typically the forgotten person of the Holy Trinity. He's harder to relate to because he's a spirit. He's not a father. He's not a human being. He's a Holy Spirit. But as Scott Hahn likes to say, he's not just a power. He is a person. So he is with us. He is in us. And as we will reflect on today, he shares the life of Jesus with us. It's really the the resurrected Jesus through the Holy Spirit who lives out his resurrected life in and through and with each and every one of us. Because we're all members of his mystical body. Isn't that right? So in this Easter season, it's very appropriate that we're reflecting today on the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. So what did Jesus have to say? He said in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's already telling them that they know him. They know the spirit. Presumably by this time, they've all been baptized. So they've all received the spirit. Perhaps even at this point in the Last Supper discourse, they've been ordained priests and have received the Eucharist. So they've really received the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, of course, they receive more more gifts, more charisms to go out and to proclaim the gospel in a way that they hadn't been able to prior to receiving those gifts. So that's what is so outstanding about Pentecost. It's not that they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit at all. They certainly had. But there was more. (laughs) Jesus had more to give them. Just like we read on Divine Mercy Sunday, that second Sunday of Easter, Jesus appears to them and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain are retained. That was another charism. The charism to forgive sins. That was specific for priests. But had they already received the Holy Spirit? Yes, of course. They were baptized and ordained. and So, yeah, they had definitely received the Holy Spirit. But there's always more. Can you repeat that with me? There's always more. If there's one thing you take away from today, it's that. There's always more. Would you like it if I put a little light on? Or are you good? You're good? Okay. Well, at least I can. Some said yes, I can.
little bit more and I'll turn them back down for adoration. There's always more. Some of you are familiar with Encounter Ministries here in Michigan based out of Brighton. Father Matthias Thalen, Patrick Rice, Dr. Mary Healy's involved. And I've enrolled in their school. Some of you know about the School of Ministry. And I've attended their annual conferences now for over five years. And if there's one thing I have taken away from them, it's that. There's always more. And I think that has to be our attitude as Christians. There's always more. Because God is infinite. Amen? (laughs) So there's more of his love. There's more of his power. There's more of his gifts of all kinds. There's always more. If we don't believe that, then what happens? I think we tend to put ourselves in a box and we put other people in a box and we stunt our growth. By doing that, you necessarily stunt your growth. It's like when you buy a plant or a tree in the pot, if you don't replant it, it's not going very far, right? It's not going to get very big. But you plant it, you water it, you feed it, you fertilize it, it's going to grow. And it's going to keep growing. Well, that is really what our calling is, dear brothers and sisters. I can't take credit for this thought. It's from a Protestant preacher that I appreciate. But some of you have probably heard me say it. I'm I'm sure I've said it at St. Daniel's before. But it's this. And it might be shocking, even scandalous for some of you. The goal of our Christian lives is not to get to heaven. The goal of our Christian lives is not to get to heaven. It's to keep growing. To keep growing in love. If our goal is to get to heaven, we've already reached it because right there, boom, there's heaven. And in Holy Communion, heaven comes to you. So that's, obviously, it's not fully realized, the side of heaven. I get that. And certainly God wants us to be with him in heaven. There's no question about that. But he wants us all to grow in love. You might say, Another way, he wants us all to become saints. What is a saint? It's someone who was filled with the love of God and and shared that love in their own unique way. You read the lives of the saints, they're all different. Even the different Franciscan saints, for example, or Jesuit saints. They're all different. They all come from different backgrounds, They had different gifts and talents. They had different missions. And I I think sometimes we just don't always appreciate that. We're, We're called to emulate them, not necessarily imitate them. Right? We all have our own unique path. Any coffee lovers out there? Yeah? Okay. Scotch whiskey or, you know... Because I, I like to say that each and every one of us is a unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. Each and every one of us is a unique blend of God's goodness, truth, and beauty. And his gifts flowing through us. So the Lord calls us 
to friendship with him. And from that friendship should blossom our freedom. Do you know what it says in Galatians 5.1? For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What brings about slavery? Fear. Fear keeps us enslaved. So Christ came to set us free from sin, from fear, from shame and guilt. All of those things that tend to weigh us down. The burdens of life. Christ came to set us free from that. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have those burdens. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer in this life. Yeah, of course. He himself did not excuse himself from the sorrows of this life, but rather he came to redeem them. He came to accompany us through them all to show us the way to love even in and uh, through them those trials and tribulations. So as I mentioned in my opening prayer, Jesus wants us to trust him, that we can go to him in our neediness. When he says that we should become like children, what is it about a child that it knows and isn't afraid to admit usually, I'm needy, I'm hungry, I'm tired. My diaper needs changing. Help! (laughs) And the younger they are, the less they really know. But they just cry out. And yet as we get older, we tend to be afraid. Sometimes to say something. We we hesitate at times to express our needs. We're, We're out of touch even with what we really need emotionally spiritually, physically, psychologically. So the Lord knows, he knows better than we do what we need. And he wants to provide it all. And yes, through his body, for sure. But as Ralph Martin wrote, as he titled his book, Jesus is the fulfillment of all desire. The fulfillment of all desire. But it's true, we all have a lot of unfinished parts, even in our, in our old age. It seems that we are more and more aware, once again, of our neediness and the unfinished business in our minds and hearts, the struggles that we still have. Well, the Lord today is inviting you to, to bring those to him with no fear, with no fear, no hesitation. No embarrassment, no shame, no shame. I like to say that Jesus never wagged his finger in the face of any sinner in the gospel. Not the Samaritan woman, not the woman caught in adultery. 
not Peter, not even Judas, never wagged his finger in their face and said, shame on you. But how often do we do that to each other or to ourselves? We shouldn't do that. Jesus never did it. So Lord, please help us to know the love that you have for us. It's not a demanding kind of love. Uh, It's not that Jesus wants to heap all these burdens and expectations on us. We should remember that Christianity is a religion of grace. We hear that word all the time, grace. Hail Mary, full of grace. What is grace but God's power and presence, his love? You might say the Holy Spirit's job is to communicate to us that grace so that we can be transformed, so that we can grow. Grace is really what makes us grow. The life of God growing in us, expanding our hearts, expanding our minds, driving out the fear and the shame. It's like it gets displaced if you had a a jar full of dirty water, but you just kept pouring clean water into it. Well, eventually you'd have more, no more dirty water, right? It's the same when we go before the Lord. Every time we pray, every time we receive him in Holy Communion, every time we go to confession, just more and more grace is getting poured out. Just like the rain falling today. It's kind of appropriate that we're having a retreat while it's raining outside. God wanting to water your soul with his grace. And, and that's how abundant it is. We, we, I don't know if you know that song that we listen to, So Will I. And it talks about creation. A hundred billion stars, a hundred billion planets, and all of creation obeying God. And, you know, finally here in Michigan, nature has come back to life. It's another good time to be on retreat, really, because we see things that have been dormant, coming back to life, sprouting and blooming. So even nature is speaking to us about God's purposes for our lives. We all go through seasons, that's true. That's true. Some seasons are harder than others. Some seasons can be really challenging, really painful. But the Lord wants to assure you that there's always hope. Seasons change. And sometimes in those difficult times, those difficult seasons, you might say he's tilling the soil. Or he's trying to break through the ice, if you will. The other day, I literally... I'm, I, I'm constantly asking God, you know, change my heart, make my heart more like yours. Because we can't do that by ourselves. I just can't make a decision. I'm going to be just like Jesus today. Have you ever tried that? I mean, we, we try it, right? I'm going to be good today. 
you know, today I'm not going to do this or today I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to lose my patience with my wife or my husband or, you know, I'm not going to drink too much or I'm not going to swear today. And at the end of the day, we're drunk and we're stupid and have sworn at everybody up and down and right. Happens all the time because we just can't flip a switch. If it was that easy, well, then we'd all be hunky dory, right? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have any need for God but we have a great need for God and his grace. So we have to recognize that. We have to be, that's, that's humility. God is not about humiliating us. That is not God. Jesus didn't humiliate people. Again, he didn't wag his finger in, in, in their faces. But we need to be in touch with our need. So we always need to be asking Jesus, you know, make my heart more like yours. Help, give me your thoughts. Holy Spirit, help me to think like Jesus and help me to feel like Jesus. Give me compassion. Give me meekness. Meekness. There's one that isn't so highly prized in our society today. <laughs> right? Whatever happened to meekness? That Someone should write that book. Whatever happened to meekness? It's a beatitude even. You know, blessed... I mean, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. So I think we fear that if we're meek, it's not that we're then, you know, like a rug, a doormat to just be walked all over. That's really not meekness. But meekness is being able to wait, being able to wait on the Lord and not having to have it your way right now. And not always having to be right or, you know, state your case to have the last word. I'm sure you couples, you always have to have the last word, don't you? No, I don't. See? <laughs> you know? God, help me to be meek and humble of heart, just like you. So anyway, I'm always praying for that. And literally the other day, I could feel around my heart some pain some physical pain. And then it was as if like this, this shell around my heart was cracking. And then I just felt it fall. I just felt it like as if it was being peeled. Like, you know, if a hard boiled egg, how, how, you, how you peel a shell off a hard boiled egg. Like that's what was happening to my heart. That shell. We all have lots of shells, different shells. There's lots of layers like an onion, but that's kind of what I was thinking as I was feeling. And I was like, whoa. Because I, I knew there was breakthrough happening. How do you know when there's breakthrough happening? Because you feel physical pains sometimes. You cry. For me, I, you know, I'll cry. There's some kind of an emotional reaction to the word, to a song, to receiving Holy Communion, to just being in his presence. So we get moved. We allow God to move us. That's a good prayer. Lord, just please help me to let you move me today and every day. Lord, please help me to let you move me. And there doesn't need to be any fear around that. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear people say, I'm afraid of what God, what, I'm going to have to suffer something. God's going to ask something of me really big if I get really close to him. And I'm afraid of that. You have a bad image of God then. 
That, that's not who God is. Right? What good father would do that? That makes no sense. Right? Plus, we all suffer anyway. Right? The question is, are you going to suffer with Jesus or without him? Are you going to make it redemptive or not? So we need not be afraid. Typically, what we're afraid of is what is in our hearts, the stuff that we're holding on to. That's what's probably scariest <laughs> for us. The stuff that we've tried to avoid and hide and repress. And does the Lord want to dig that up? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. To lick your wounds? To blame people? No. But to free you from it? To free you from it. And to help you reprocess or process for the first time, probably, what happened in light of his love and his providence, his mercy. Because we've all asked, Lord, why did that happen to me? Why did that happen to me? And the younger we are, the harder it is to make sense of it. <clears throat> but as we get older and as we get to know the Lord better, he can shed his light on that. And the answer is, well, that was my father's will. That is a really bad answer. Pope Francis was talking about that the other day, reflecting on the book of Job. How often do people say, oh, I guess that was just God's will. No, 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 no. That is not God. That is not God. God never, ever intended for there to be sin in the world or death or pain or suffering. That was not a part of his original plan. Our human freedom was absolutely a part of his plan for us so that we could love. Because you can't really love unless you're free. That's why Christ has set us free. For freedom's sake, which you could say then is for love's sake, which then you could say for God's sake, right? For God's sake. For, for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 16 and 17. So God is all about saving and healing and redeeming and uniting. What was his most fervent prayer at the Last Supper? We can jump ahead a little bit. John 17. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's you. So Jesus, thank you for praying for us on the night of the Last Supper. Have you ever thanked him for that? You can do it right now. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory, which is to say the Holy Spirit. When you read glory in chapter 17, just think Holy Spirit. He doesn't say it explicitly, but that is the glory the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Doesn't that make sense? The Holy Spirit is that unifying agent. That's his job, like I said. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. 
So unity is a sign of love. That's what love desires, isn't it? Communion, union. And what does the enemy try to do? What does the devil try to do? Divide. Always and everywhere, divide and instill fear. What's his agenda? Steal, kill, and destroy. Through division, through fear. Let's read more about the Holy Spirit here. Going back to John 14, verse 18. I will not leave you desolate or orphans. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. So it's the very life of God inside of us that allows us to live not just in a biological way, a material way, but to live life to the full, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. God wants us to have life and have it to the full. And really what allows us to do that is faith, absolutely. And you might say a supernatural vision a supernatural vision, which is to say, seeing things the way God sees them. And again, the Holy Spirit can help you with that. If you find yourself getting all bent out of shape because of you know, this politician or even the Pope or that bishop or this priest, you know, just take a chill pill right, and put yourself before the Lord right, and say, Lord, give me your vision. What do you see? Right, because he's got a great plan. He's got a great plan. He's in control, just in case you didn't know that, right? <laughs> he's in control. Not the Pope, not the President, not the Governor, right? God's in control. He's got this. He's got this. And what he needs is your cooperation, not your complaints. He doesn't need your complaints. There's never a basket out there that says, here, can I have your complaints, please? I've never seen that, right? Complaints don't go very far. But what goes far? Lord, here I am. I come to do your will. Try that. Try that. Lord, here I am. I come to do your will. I think there were a couple of people in the Bible who said that. Or Mary, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, here I am. Let it be done to me according to your word. Fiat Mickey, secundum verbum tuum, if you like Latin, right? Fiat Mickey, secundum verbum tuum. It's a good phrase. It's one of the only ones I know in Latin, so. <laughs> Say it, proclaim it. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's a great word. Manifest myself to him, which is to say to reveal, to reveal, to make known. And again, that's the Holy Spirit's job. 
The Holy Spirit literally makes known, manifests the heart and the mind, the soul, the spirit of Jesus. So we want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Holy Spirit, possess me. Manifest to me the love of Jesus. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. To tabernacle, to pitch a tent, to establish residency. So God has established residency in your heart, in your body, your temples of the Holy Spirit. As this one lady that we met the other day likes to say, the three in me, the three in me. I'm never alone because I have the three in me, with me, all the time. And the Lord really does want us to enjoy that. That's what I've been praying about a lot lately, that the Lord wants me to enjoy that, to relish that, to experience pleasure from his presence. Why not? He's a good, good father. He's a loving savior. He's the divine bridegroom. So he wants us to be able to rest and receive his presence, which is love, which is peace, joy. I love this definition of joy, spiritual gladness, joy. How do we get that? What what produces that? What produces joy? What, What is it that allows us to experience spiritual gladness? To be in the presence of the one that we know is happy to be with us. When you're in the presence of somebody that is happy to be with you, you experience joy, spiritual gladness. Well, today the Lord wants to assure you that he is happy to be in your presence. He is excited that you are here with him today. Bless you. He loves to see you. He loves to be with you. And you don't even have to come here because he's with you all the time. So it just helps, obviously, to to be able to quiet ourselves. God, help me to quiet my thoughts. To slow down. So that I can actually feel you in me. So that I can hear you speaking to me so that I can experience your presence. Because God is going to speak to you through you. That's one of our encounter principles. God is going to speak to you through you, which is to say your thoughts, your feelings, your imagination, a word in your conscience, an intuition. God will speak to you through you. Trust that. Don't doubt that. He wants to develop that trust. 
He wants you to develop that trust in him. He wants you to, to tune your ear to him, to his channel. What's the name of his channel? Silence. Interior silence. It doesn't mean that everything has to be silent around you because, I mean, some people really like to pray with music. I know some people don't like it. Sorry. But it's interior silence. So whatever fosters interior recollection. That's what you want to go for. God help us to cultivate interior silence, recollection. And if you think spending more time on your tablets or your phones or on the computer than you do in the word is going to help foster recollection, eh, sorry, wrong answer. So if you say, you know, Father, I have a hard time hearing from God. Well, how much time do you spend on the internet every day or on your phone compared to how much time you spend in the word or before the blessed sacrament? Oh, yeah. Hmm. So I know it's hard at first. It's hard. I get that. I mean, it can feel really hard at first, like walking through the mud or something. I don't know. But believe me, the more you move in that direction, the more you're going to hear from him. And there's nothing better than waking up every day and hearing from him. And not just hearing him, but feeling him, feeling his love, feeling his spirit wash over you and strengthen you and inspire you. It's much better than Fox News, I can guarantee you. That. <laughs> right? That will get you excited. He, Jesus, the Holy Spirit will get you excited in a life-giving way that will be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. And what makes us fruitful, as he says then in John 15, is that we abide in him. We abide. He who, this is uh, 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice he doesn't say there that you have to be up on all of the current events in order to bear fruit. You don't have to be up, up to date on every last bit of news in order to bear much fruit. That's not the condition for bearing fruit. The condition for bearing fruit is to abide in him. That's the condition for bearing fruit. So ask yourself, do I want to bear fruit? When I come in contact with my kids and my grandkids, what do I want to transmit to them? Angst and nervousness and fear and anger? Or peace and joy in the Lord? What do you want to transmit? That's a really provocative question, isn't it? I felt that when that one hit. Ooh. Right? What do you want to transmit to your kids and your grandkids? What is Jesus hoping that you're going to transmit to your kids and your grandkids? Not what you heard on the nightly news. 
but his word, his, his gaze. Because the more we gaze at him, gazing at us, then when we look at our kids and our grandkids, what do they see? The gaze of God, the love of God. And then they might actually like coming around more often. How about that? I mean, maybe some of you are trying to get rid of them, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We can't give what we don't have. And, and we won't have what we don't receive. And we won't receive what we don't ask for. And we won't ask for something if we don't believe it. You follow me? Faith. God, increase my faith. Please. Please. You know, if God were to, to check your balance statement each month from the bank, how much faith would he see reflected in your balance statement? You know, what are you writing checks for? What are you swiping that card for? It's so easy today. I swipe, purchase with a swipe. Oh, you know, Amazon. What's your Amazon account look like? You know, it's like, does that reflect my faith? What am I investing in? Right? And, and, so, and I get it. It's hard sometimes. It's hard. So that's why God increased my faith. Help me to believe more. Because the more I believe, the more I'm going here. The more I'm going right here. Before I even eat in the morning, I'm, I'm going to the word. I'm going to his presence. I'm going to the Eucharist. Wherever I can go. I know you can't necessarily get to Mass every day or to the chapel, but, but God, help me to believe more because I want to bear fruit. And instead of just worrying about my kids and my grandkids, God, help me to look at them the way you look at me. Help me to instill in them hope and love and joy and peace that you are with us and that you are for us. All right, I'll take that as a sign. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But I've been speaking long enough. <laughs>